If you have your Bible, turn with me to Isaiah, the 53rd chapter. Isaiah, the 53rd chapter. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share something. I'm, I'm not going to get deep into preaching. I just, but I feel like since tonight is about intercession and setting the house in order for intercession, it's easy to throw out that word, but not everybody knows what it means. Of course, everyone knows it, it means prayer, but it has a little deeper implication than that. And so I would like to uh, take just a few moments if I could. I've got my watch out here where I can see what time it is, and I will try to get done as quickly as possible and get through this, but I don't want to jeopardize the word either. So I'm going to be reading out the New Living Translation, so that's unusual for you guys to hear me read out of that version. But if you'll bear with me, here we go. Isaiah 53, we're going to read from verse 1 through 12, which is the whole passage. This is about Jesus. This is a prophecy about Jesus going to the cross of Calvary, finishing his mission. All right? Isaiah 53, starting with verse 1. Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised, and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without decedence, that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. And he was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and to cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life, and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. And when he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous. For he will, bear this, he will bear all 
their sins. And I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier. Because he exposed himself to death, he was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for rebels. The first thing I want to say tonight, and I have one other scripture, if you'll start turning to 1 Timothy, the second chapter. One other scripture I want to share, but I started here because I wanted you to understand that the Messiah, Jesus, is an intercessor. He bore your sins. He put himself in the place of your punishment that he could bear your rebellion to loose you from it. And then the word tells us very clearly that he is seated at the right hand of the Father where he makes intercession for the saints. Think about that. Jesus is always and continually interceding for us individually and corporately. Think about that. His spirit constantly before the Father interceding for us. And in this particular passage, here's what I want you to learn. The heart of intercession is to help someone else. The heart of intercession is to help someone else. If you agree with that, just shout hallelujah. hallelujah. All right. First Timothy, the second chapter, the first through the sixth verse, I'm also reading out of the New Living Translation. These are the words of the Apostle Paul. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give them thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. In other words, if we pray for the headship, that God will get a hold of headship, government, it's much better for us if there's a godly government. Who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth? For there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. Go back up to the first verse. It says, I urge you, first of all, the very first thing he is saying to Timothy, this young pastor, I urge you, first of all, Timothy, pray for a handful of people. Pray for a few people. Pray for the people you like. <laughs> you, see, you see what I'm doing to you. Pray for all people, even when they oppose you, even when they're in your space, even when they're causing you headache and heartache and trouble. Pray. That's one of the areas that I have fallen short the most in my life 
Because when someone's in direct opposition to me, it's real hard. My jaws want to clench instead of pray. But the instruction of the Apostle Paul is if it's going to be easy for you to help others, Timothy, you need to understand that you have to pray for everyone. Not just those in your direct care, but pray. Pray for all mankind. Pray for everyone. I used an Old Testament scripture and a New Testament scripture to bring to you what each testament speaks of or the word that is used for intercession, which is where we are trying to head. In the Old Testament, the word is pega, pega, P-A-G-A. Pega is Hebrew for several different things that I'm going to throw out here. First is to strike. Pega means to strike. Pega is like warfare. It's sort of like shock and awe. When you come in and you pelt an enemy to where he doesn't know how, how you've done it and how many sides it's coming in on, and he's running for his life, that is the very first thing this word means. It means to strike. It means to confuse your enemy. It means to strike first. It means to hit him where it hurts. It means to cause confusion. It means to leave him so devastated he doesn't know which way to turn. Oh, we're going to have fun because we're learning about intercession. To strike with a warfare mentality. But it doesn't stop there. This word is much larger than just one thought and one frame of mind. Paga means to, pega means to touch. It means to reach out and to touch. It denotes tenderness. On one hand, it's shock and awe against the enemy. On the other hand, though, if you're pleading for someone else's life, it's to touch them in a way that is tender. To touch them in a way that lets them know there is a God. To touch them in a way that makes their heart go, why didn't I come to God sooner? Next, it means to plead for. Stand in the gap. Make up the hedge. And you make a petition for that person's condition. You make a petition for the changing of the government. For the changing of the mentality. For the changing of morality. You put yourself in a place between heaven and earth, and there you begin to plead the case that is before you. What is the greatest need in another person's life? What is the greatest need in the nation? What is the greatest need in our city? What is the greatest need in our schools? What is the greatest need? You get the idea. Then next it means to plead with. It doesn't mean to plead with the person that you're interceding for, 
It means to plead with God for the person that you're interceding for. In other words, you know, Steve is, Steve is a boss and he's got folks underneath his employ. And sometimes he, he, he may very well have somebody in his shop who is a foreman, right? And he's the direct boss over somebody. But once in a while, you go over that, the direct boss to get to the main boss because you have a grievance that you can't get answered through the middleman. And that's what is denoted here is you go to the top where change can be made. You can plead till your tongue falls out and it won't make a change. But if you'll take that person before the throne and you cry out their name and you make your case before God, God can move heaven and earth in their heart. With one, with one breath, God can change the entire circumstance and attitude of the person who's otherwise defiant. But while you're praying, God is moving heaven and earth within them. Is this all right? I promise we won't be long. The next thing it means is to intervene, which is very much like plead with. But it means I'm going to stand in the gap. I'm intervening into your life. Because you might be blinded by your circumstance and don't know what you need. But I might be able to see it. But me coming to you and telling you what you need may not it may fall on deaf ears. It may not be received. But if I take it to the Father and I intervene and I stand in that place and I call out for change in that area of your life, he can turn the light on so you understand it. All I'll do is make you mad at me. Is this okay? This is the Old Testament word, which I think is the richest of the two. Then it means to encounter. When you come into intercession, you're not just babbling words. This isn't just prayer to be praying. This is prayer to encounter God. This prayer is saying, I know there's a God and I invite you, God, to come into my situation and spend time with me because there's something on my heart I must share with you. So I need you. How many have ever prayed intercession and you knew God was with you? And you knew God was in the room. And your spirit began to shake and quiver. And you knew, ooh, there's someone holy in this place, in this moment with me. The next part of this word. So it means, it means to strike, to plead for, to plead with, to intervene, to encounter. And it means to reach. I'm reaching beyond what I can do for you naturally. I'm reaching beyond what I could ever do in this life. I'll do what I can do. 
You know, if someone's hungry, praying alone won't do anything. But if I pray for them and bring them a meal, it makes all the difference in the world. But sometimes we're in a position where that won't make any difference. Whatever we can do with our natural won't change the circumstance, won't help the person. Oh, oh, but if I get into the presence of God and there I'm encountering God, my reach becomes the reach of the hand of God. Next, it means to meet, to meet, to fall upon. When you come into the presence of God, understand, we're coming in for the help of someone else. We're coming in for a circumstance. We're coming in for something that needs a change. But when you get into that place of encounter with God, sometimes when you meet with him, you must fall upon his mercy. And when you fall before him in true humility, it changes things. Also, it means to come betwixt, and that is not a common everyday English word. Some of you thought of a, of a candy bar right then with a cookie in the middle with some caramel. I didn't say twixt, I said betwixt. And betwixt means to get in between. To get in between. To get in between. Would you come here, brother? And you too, Steve. Would you come? Just stand right there. I'm going to make, I'm going to make Steve because he's my, he, he's my right-hand man here. I'm going to make Steve the good guy. <laughs> That, you know what that means, Terry? You're the bad guy, right? So put your hands up like you're going to strike him. <laughs> Be careful now. You don't need no real fight going on in here. Just put your hands up like you're going to strike him, and you act as if you don't even know it's coming, all right? And so when you, betwixt simply means I come in here, put, put your hand up like you're going to hit him, and I'm not going to let this happen. Because I'm standing in between. I'm not going to let him be destroyed by someone else's evil intent. I've got God's encounter here. And while I'm praying, I'm stopping the enemy. Thank you, gentlemen. Stopping the enemy. I'm coming betwixt. That's a new word. We need to get some t-shirts. says, I'm coming betwixt. And then last, it simply means to meet together. In prayer. To meet together in prayer. I'll get to a little bit more here. One of the things this word means is to be spatial. It means to fill up a space. We'll get to that here in just a minute. The word in in the New Testament is the word intikano. Intikano. And intikano means to appeal, to petition, to deal with, and to make intercession. To appeal, to petition, to deal with, to make intercession. It is a compound word. So the first part of this word, now listen, listen to this, it's good. The first part of this word is en, E-N. E-N on, fr- on the front of any other word adds this connotation to it. E-N, first of all, means in to fit in a space, I was just talking about that, to be spatially in. 
So when we encounter God, we are going to fit into God's space for a specific purpose. It means to be among. In other words, I don't go into this alone. I'm entering into a space where God dwells. I'm coming in to be amongst God when I come in to pray. And then the final thing that this word in means is a measure of time. When you enter into this spatial place of God and you enter into be among him, with him, him with you, you very well may lose track of time. Because you don't implore God and give him five minutes and he showed up and you walk away, he's God. If you implore God to come into your place of prayer, he deserves all the time you can give him as long as he holds you in that place. Can you say amen? Look at this. The second part of that word, that's the first part, in, is a compound word. Taikano means to, to take part in, to participate. It means to obtain. I'm going in to participate with God to obtain something. And while I'm there, uh, the next word that it means is to provide I need a provision, so I'm coming in. I'm providing the situation. I'm providing my heart. I'm providing everything that I have to offer up, and God is providing what I cannot answer in that circumstance. The next thing it means is to happen a certain way. Taikano, it's, it's, it happens in a certain way. So whatever it is that I'm asking God for, in whatever way God sees as fit, it will happen in his certain way. Next, it means uh, to be extraordinary. So when I come into this spatial place to be among God in a measure of time, it is an extraordinary place, and I am standing in an extraordinary position because I have called audience with God. Last but not least, it means to refresh how many have ever gone in to pray for somebody else, came out refreshed yourself because you were in the presence of God? And so all of these together, it means to, to fit spatially in a place, to be amongst God in a measure of time that you participate in that becomes so extraordinary that it provides change for somebody else, but you're going to be refreshed when you leave. And there's a couple other places in the New Testament that this word has the word hyper in front of it. And hyper is all the things that you've just heard. It just means amped up, energetic, and energized. There are times when you come into prayer that you might intercede and, and, and other people may not be aware, but there's other times when you come in to intercede, everybody on the block knows you're praying because they can hear you down the block because you're energized in the power of God. You're energized in that meeting. God's presence shows up and you can't help but be boisterous. People don't like to pray with me in intercession because they say I preach whenever I'm praying. They say I get loud and I get louder than the room and I take over and I can't shut up, but you got 
got to forgive me for that because I've been an intercessor for a long time. I've been an intercessor in the Lord for a long time. And if I get into the place of hyper uh, in, in Taikano, I'm telling you, it is a place like no other place. And you can't stop even if you want to stop. And there's times you have to beg God, let me go, God. You're killing me in this moment. My body can't take anymore. Mm -hmm. Yes, he does. Yes, absolutely. Come on. Come on. Absolutely. I'm almost done. So intercession, with all of that being said, in my words and thoughts are simply this. To come together, to posture in prayer for the purpose to meet with God. To appeal to and to petition to deal with issues, attitudes, and actions that need help or correction, healing, or judgment by participating in an extraordinary encounter in God's space. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, this is a meeting you are calling God to. Think about that. This is why the word tells us that you can come to the throne boldly and make your petitions known. God opened up a way through Jesus Christ that you can now stand in his presence. You can call for him and stand in his presence to let him know what's on your heart. This is a meeting where you're calling God to come to your meeting. But understand that while you're here or while you're sleeping or while you're driving down the highway or while you're in a bucket truck or while you're cutting hair or while you're washing pots or while you're taking care of children, God at any moment might call you to a meeting. We are in a partnership with God. This is heaven touching earth and the earthly us touching heaven. This is truly where deep calls unto deep. Where the God of heaven is convening with a Christ in you. God doesn't show up to hear what you have to say. He shows up to hear what the Holy Spirit in you has to say. Because he's the one who intercedes for you. I'm almost done. I know you don't believe that. Or the Christ in you is calling out for the God of the universe. If we pega, are we in Taikano, we have entered into intercession. Intercession is coming into God's space in humility to plead and to intervene for another. You have come to cause an encounter with God. To fall upon his mercy on someone else's behalf. To stand between God and that person. To bring that person, their need, circumstance, or situation into God's presence for his answers. This can also be personal. It can be corporate. It could be institutional or governmental, financial, or health-related. And sometimes it is you who need an answer or a touch or a rescue.
Intercessors have always opened up the moves of God through deep intercession. Intercession opens the door to the miraculous. And our world needs the church between them and God. Cameron and this region needs us between God and them. If we do not intercede, the world in 2023 has no hope but judgment. Many of our current prophets are stuck on a stolen election while the world is heading to certain doom. We need to push past the enemy's smoke and mirrors and loose the hand of God to once again shake the hearts of men. We must plead for our towns, our cities, our states, our capitals, our White House, our governmental systems, our monetary system. We must intercede for the apostate church, those who've turned their back on the truth of God. We must intercede for the soul of mankind. We must intercede for our families, our friends, and our neighbors. Church, we must reach the region God has called us to. We need an outpouring from heaven. We need to capture the heart of God. There is no time left to waste. We need God. God promised us a few years ago while we were still in the little building across town that there would be a number that he wouldn't release to me because I couldn't handle it yet of souls that would be reached and brought in. Of course, in my mind, that means big buildings and all these things. But that may not be at all what God's thinking. But I do know this, that a praying church is a church that moves in the demonstration of God's power. And people who move in the demonstration of God's power change their world. I've got one quick example. I'm done. Uh, I got some things here, you know, we could pray about tonight. But tonight, I think more than anything, I want God... To, to establish in us the discipline of intercession. More than anything else tonight, just that hunger, to cry out for a hunger in us, to not become lackadaisical ever again in this cause, that men learn how to pray as well as the women, that the teens learn how to pray as well as the adults, that the children learn how to pray in such a way. I stood in this building not too awful long ago and watched as intercession uh, uh, hit my brother right over here, Drayton, I'll get it out, hit Drayton, and I watched as God did supernatural things with this young man on the floor, things he could not control, something he could not start, something he could not stop, but he entered into that place where God was at. He got up prophesying. I wanted everyone in here tonight because we are the church, not the adults. We are the church. And God can use our teens and our children as powerfully as he can use any adult. And if we move together as one, if we come together in the unity of the faith, if we have prayer sessions where everyone is included and everyone is participating, there's nothing we cannot do to change this region.
my final thought, and I'll quit, I think. I don't know how to pronounce it very well, but the yoidoi, the yodo, yodo, Y-O-I-D-O, Full Gospel Church. It's an Assembly of God church. How's it said? How's it pronounced? You guys, you guys said something over here. How does it? Yoido. 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 Anyway, let me, let me finish this. It's a movement of God in South Korea. It started with back in the day, he was called Paul Yonggi Cho. He took on the surname of Paul. Later in his ministry, he changed it to David Yonggi Cho. So his name was Yonggi Cho. A South Korean man in a very poor, war-torn nation who along with his mother-in-law, and I think it was his mother-in-law that taught him the value of intercessory prayer, began to pray. And at first his prayers were, Lord, I must have a bicycle. 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 And he would say that over and over and over. He was praying, believing for a bicycle. It took him several months, but he got a bicycle. And that bicycle was his transportation around the city. The Lord stayed with him, and he began to pray, and he began to seek. And he knew the Lord had called him. And out of a, a small house ministry gathering, this man of intercession prayed and sought the wisdom of God and interceded for his nation. And the move of God was loosed in his nation. And in 2007, his church, the one I can't pronounce, Yoido, had 830,000 members. People that I have met who have been there tell me that when they pray on a Sunday morning, the whole city roars. And you don't go there sick in body and leave that way when you leave. You've been healed because the intercessors will take you up, uh, will take you up Faith Mountain. And when you come down the other side, you will be healed. Get this, that was, that was a figure from in 2007, 830,000 members. After that, they launched 20 satellite churches. After launching 20 satellite churches around the nation in 2010, the original campus still has 480,000 believers in one place. Father, forgive me for having a hard time wrapping my mind around the fact that you want to do something bigger than my mind. But Lord, my desire is to fall on my face and to trust you and to encounter you and to call upon your name to do what it is that you want to do in our midst.